the most important part of governance is it's about power. It's who has a say in decision making, how are stakeholders represented. It's also uh, what keeps a company true to its purpose. If you're a, a profit maximizing business, then the governance is designed to ensure that shareholder interests come first. If you're a company like Cafe Direct, on the other hand, the, the governance is, is designed to keep it true to its social mission. The status quo for business has been that there is one criteria that governance is working towards, and that's driving shareholder value. This idea that a business is really only there to create profit and create as much profit in the shortest possible time. And I think that paradigm has really led to this reality in which business has contributed to some of the kind of big environmental and social challenges that we have today. Hello and welcome to Building Better Business, the podcast that explores how business can shape our world for the better and how we can all help. Today's episode is really important. We're going to focus on how business governance can make a huge difference to not only society and business, but also how we can save the planet. We're going to look at what is business governance and why making it at the heart of a socially and environmentally sustainable system. We're also going to look at what good governance is and what bad governance has been and the impact it can have. I'm delighted to have three very special guests today. Firstly, we've got Lebby Gabrielle Hudson, who is in Tanzania from a tea cooperative called RSTGA. And Lebby is also on the board of Cafe Direct. Fantastic to see you, Lebby. Thank you very much, John. I'm also happy to join. Secondly, we've got James Gafari, who is the Director of Growth and Product at B Corp. B Corp is a certification given to a business that meets high standards of social and environmental performance and accountability. And great to have you here too, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, great to be here. Thirdly, Alex Maitland, who is the Inequality Policy Advisor from Oxfam International. Good to see you here, Alex. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, John. I think firstly, for for those listening to the podcast, it'd be great to hear from you about, you know, what is the definition of governance effectively and why is it so important uh, for the way a, a, a business works? And James, should we start with you? For me, governance is is simply the framework by which you manage your business. So who really makes decisions within a business and on what criteria are those decisions actually made? And I think the reason why that is so important on a kind of individual company basis is because essentially it helps people to, to run companies aligned to their particular purpose or mission. So based on that criteria, what is the purpose and mission of the company? How do we make decisions uh, that kind of move the company towards that purpose and towards that mission? But ultimately, and and I think what we'll get onto, governance is extremely important as a collective um, because of the role in which business has in society uh, and the impact it has on people and on the planet. And essentially, governance sets the status quo for what this role should be. And, and essentially what impacts are acceptable within this framework. Alex, can you build on James's thoughts? Very much in agreement with what James says. Just to build on that, I think if you look up in a 
a textbook, uh, the definition of governance. It will talk about uh, the processes of and systems to ensure accountability and control. Uh, but I think for me, the most important part of of governance is it's been it's, it's about power. It's who has a say in decision making. How are stakeholders represented? And as James says, it it's also uh, what keeps a company true to its purpose. If you're a a profit maximizing business, then the governance is designed to ensure that shareholder interests come first. If you're a company like Cafe Direct, on the other hand, the, the governance is, is designed to keep it true to its social mission. And I think the interesting part, particularly in social enterprises, is that there's often this tension between the the social mission and the financial financial goals, ensuring financial sustainability. And good governance practices are there to help balance those tensions to ensure that it's mitigating against mission drift. Either uh, you see social enterprises which have have drifted too, too far towards perhaps a, a financial goal, or sometimes the other way, and and uh, lose its financial sustainability in in looking for a for a uh, for the social goal. It's very helpful. I mean, certainly at Cafe Direct, and I suppose I've, I've been here what ten years now. Um, you get very used to a very well governed organization and then being part of B Corps and social enterprise you also get to have a community of businesses that are striving to have the the, the best governance possible and I mean, at cafe direct I always say to people you know it's it's quite heavily governed for the size of commercial organization it is but for the size of impact organization it is that that's incredibly important to us and we have very explicit articles of association which we have ad- adapted to make sure they're consistent with uh, B Corps as well, but also within the um, the way that we work, we have you know a construct called the Guardian Share Company, which both Alex and Lebby are on, and I think that is quite a remarkable part of the governance structure to ensure that we don't get any mission drift whatsoever. For us, it's been phenomenally important. It makes the job of running the business in a way that delivers for its stakeholders and against its mission much more straightforward. So I think the, the work that B Corps is doing to change the ecosystem is, is phenomenally important. Let me be great to bring you in at this point and get your perspective as a Cafe Direct non-executive director representing the producers that we, 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 we work with and a feel for the kind of decisions that our governance leads us to make. The governors must make decisions and the decisions make, made by Governors, is not their personal decision can also affect others, can also touch other people's life or other issues going on around them, natural environment, uh, whatever. But they make decisions for themselves, for the people, and specifically, basically for the people. The next thing is, what do they do on top of making decisions? Governors do oversee. They are overseers. They have to oversee if their decisions are being implemented the way they were decided before. And they do evaluate. This evaluation is to see if they are re- their decisions are really serving what they were intending to, but they evaluate in order to come up with the grounds to make new decisions or to improve the existing decisions. If I look governance in that perspective, I can see really Governance has a lot to do with the, uh, building our better future, building this planet to be the better future, the better place for everybody 
uh, everything to stay. Yeah. I'd like to move us on to the question of what is good governance, because to me, and you know, as part of the Building Better Business podcast, it's very much, and, and working for Cafe Direct, it's very much about fairness and equality and social responsibility and, and climate change and the mitigation of, of climate change. You know, I think um, if I can come to James, I think is good governance driven by the ownership and mission of the business or is it something that we can move forward with irrespective of that? Well, I think it's interesting because Alex, you know, previously talked about the criteria on which kind of people make decisions within businesses as, as governance. You know, there's this purpose or mission and that can be that can be a good purpose or mission or that can be a, a you know a negative purpose or mission and almost governance being the the framework around which you kind of get the business to that end point and actually what levy has just kind of outlined there is that there's a vast array of responsibilities as board members that, that are kind of put on them by this governance framework and and those are kind of you know they're agnostic in themselves but they kind of they're driving the company towards a specific purpose uh, or a specific mission and i think when we're talking about good governance, I think we have to kind of acknowledge that at the moment and for the last kind of number of decades, the status quo for business has been that there is one criteria that governance is working towards, and that's driving shareholder value. You know, this idea that a business is really only there to create profit and create as much profit in the shortest possible time. And I think that paradigm has really led to this reality in which business has contributed to some of the kind of big environmental and social challenges that we have today. And I think from the example that that you're kind of almost bringing to the table by representing Cafe Direct and, and by, you know, with, with Alex and, and, and Levy and their roles within, within your business, really showing that it doesn't have to be that way. You know, for us, Good governance is about embracing all of your stakeholders as a business. So thinking about your producers, as you've said, or your employees or the the wider environment and thinking about those stakeholders when you run your business and actually making decisions as if if people and and the planet matter. So in, in this way, we kind of understand the role of business and the impact it has on things like equality and the climate crisis. Good governance is, is about kind of taking ownership of that role and realising the, the impact that that business has towards that and directing that towards a positive impact and trying, therefore, to minimise as well the, the negative impact that it has. Fantastic. Alex, your thoughts on good governance? I, and many others, I think, always if, within the social enterprise world, consider if you're a, a PLC, a publicly listed company, by its very nature, it's very it's kind of impossible for you to not put shareholder value first but cafe direct is a is a plc i could buy shares for in in cafe direct um, from the fx exchange i think it's called as well as it having sort of different types of ownership but it does have a, a distributed ownership model and i think cafe direct shows that you can be a, a publicly listed company while also prioritizing social mission over creating shareholder value and it does that by having a very interesting governance and and ownership structure if you take sort of a plc which you might start finding on a FTSE 100 they might talk about the social value they create and how they they might even say they put social value on on 
on par with their uh, creating value for shareholders. But when it comes down to it, because their constitutions and, and pressure and the power that the, the ownership can have over the company, they will always revert to, to putting shareholders first. Uh, it's kind of the model if you're a uh, if if you're listed on on a, on a stock exchange and the shareholders can vote for all the board of directors, then if the company stops creating shareholder value, then it's very likely that the the CEO and the board will will be removed and replaced with people who will force the management to create shareholder value. So then it kind of leads to the question: What is it different about companies like Cafe Direct? And and as John, you said. There's kind of multiple layers of, of governance which, which do that. But I think this Guardian Share company, which owns a uh, over 50% voting right in Cafe Direct, really gives it that kind of backstop power. So if a, you know, let's say that a uh, someone wants to come along and, and buy up all the available shares on the market and take over Cafe Direct and then turn it from a, a social driven organization to a profit maximizing business, well, Levy, myself, and other members of the Guardian Share Board essentially provide a backstop. We prevent the we could prevent that from from happening and block something which might not be in the social interest of the company. So I think that is really interesting uh, for one thing to have a, a a company like Cafe Direct, which is a PLC, but also is able through its governance practices and very well thought through kind of structures to to prevent that from happening. But in terms of the, if I may, the kind of the bigger picture of of good governance, I think there's it's often a combination of, uh, of, of various things. You have the social purpose, uh, which someone like Cafe Direct has, which is locked into its constitution and to its, its legal form. The power isn't held by one group. There's broad representation through the governance. And profit isn't just for those that provide capital, be it the, kind of the investors or, or, or bondholders, but it's all those who kind of contribute. So in the case of, of Cafe Direct, the, there's a... Uh, Part of the profit goes to the the farmers, and that's kind of written into the into the governance structure. So I think if we want to have it in terms of good governance, which ensures a, a social and environmental mission, you kind of need to have a combination of those sort of social purpose locked in, power which is distributed, and, and a profit uh, distribution model, which moves away from just concentrating on one group of people who tend to be quite wealthy people anyway, and further drives inequality. It does lead on to quite a fascinating discussion, doesn't it? Because there's kind of spectrum of businesses, isn't there? And there's a how authentic are you, depending on your governance and your ownership and how sincere and real and genuine is it? Um, this is going to come back to you, I think, James. I remember uh, doing a talk on behalf of B Corp with a number of B Corps on this panel, and one of them was Danone. And we talked about governance, and then we also talked about ownership. And at the time, this is about... Four years ago, uh, somebody in the audience said, "Well, governance is fine, but it's it's about ownership. It's about who who owns the business and what they what they demand and want from the business." I think subsequently, Danone, the CEO, was voted off by shareholders because ultimately it's structured for the delivery of profit to a, a, a shareholder base rather than to deliver against society and the environment. But yet. Danone was wanting to do that, but without the ownership structure that enabled it. How does that work, James, in terms of this discussion of the tension between governance and ownership and the authenticity of that? Well, I think initially all of us, you know, on this on this podcast are looking for the same thing, which is to fundamentally change the way in which business is done, the role it plays in society, and almost to change the status quo of what is acceptable 
to do as a business and, and what is an acceptable way to run. And I think governance is is one of the tools in that in that arsenal and ownership, but it's not the only one. And I think we have to pull on multiple levers to kind of try to work towards that kind of end state, that vision for B Corp, which is uh, using business as a force for good, but to build a inclusive, equitable and regenerative economy. And I think the kind of through that lens, the, the Danone example you gave is really interesting because we have to think then about how cultural change and governance are working together. So there's obviously a legal framework and there's regulation. And, and those are the things that are kind of defining the governance in this instance. And then there are kind of behaviors within businesses that dictate how people respond to this regulation. You know, we always, we're constantly seeing the way in which kind of people within business circumvent regulation for bad or go beyond regulation for good. And I think that's kind of where, uh, in this instance, cultural change kind of needs to pick up the slack that's maybe left by by a kind of a, a vacuum of of governance. And, and so these behaviours within the business are set really by the expectations that people have of business. You know, the, the people like customers or suppliers or investors or uh, employees. And so in this instance, it might be a case that we need to drive further changes to those expectations of business to change the behavior of of people within the business and how they respond to that legal framework and that regulation and potentially driving further the expectations of, of owners and investors in this regard. I think the direction of travel is there. You know, certainly from what I've seen over the last few years, the direction of travel in terms of what those expectations are, those kind of cultural expectations of business are, is certainly changing, whether it be kind of in customers' mind, in employees' mind, in investors' mind, or in the kind of mind of the, the public at large. I want to come to Alex in a minute, but first I just want to bring you in, Levy, because yeah. as part of the governance structure, you're voted onto the Cafe Direct board by the community of producers to represent their interests. And I just wondered, you know, you've been doing this now for six years, I think, uh, two terms. And how do you see the impact that representing producers has on the decision-making of Cafe Direct? If I now go straight uh, or specifically to what Cafe Direct is doing and part of uh, good governance and how the way it is impacting producers across East Africa, and Latin America, however specifically I'm representing uh, producers from West Africa. The way I can see from Cafe Direct, the way they make a decision from the philosophical part of it, I can see that attitude of accountability to every member and to the board itself, that uh, everyone feels accountable to save the company and to make sure that the company is delivering what is intended, especially when it is working uh, in a direct relationship with the producers. We are living in a very different uh, social and environmental context, but you can see the way Cafe Direct, they are making decisions in a very different context, but fitting the context of smallholder farmers, producers in East Africa. Therefore, you can see that uh, level of accountability but uh, on top of that, I can see transparency, that we see that the transparency of whatever Cafe Direct is thinking and whatever Cafe Direct as a, uh, a company want to hear from 
uh, producers, there is a very clear way of transparency between the two. We share reports, we share uh, information, uh, background of every context, uh, I mean, activity we want to implement. But um, also participation. You see people in the company from the board members themselves, but also the staff, they are really participating in the day-to-day -day endeavor of the producers in East Africa, either direct as a cafe direct, but also by funding producer direct, which is really uh, working together with the producers to address their social and environmental impact. And now we are even moving into helping producers in a business arena. On top of that, also you can see that democratic uh, uh, way of handling things, that freedom every, of everyone to speak, to contribute, to really give insight, and to feel that is respected. Or she's respected with the way you are giving your feeling or your, your, your thought. That has been having a very big impact to the producer organization. We have changed a lot the way we are managing our organization in order to fit with the other people so as we can work together to minimize challenges and conflict. And this we have been learning from the way our Cafe Direct is implementing. But the way we approach producers, that to whatever, even here in Tanzania and elsewhere in East Africa, we are also pushed by profit goals. But learning from Cafe Direct, we are also learning on how we can push profit on one side, but taking other social and environmental goals all together in order to really be sustainable. That thing has impacted a lot to change our behavior, to change the way we are making decisions about what we are doing right here. Therefore, to me, being a non-exact member in a board of um, Cafe Direct, it has really a very big impact from the learning and the change of attitude and the way we implement things in our organization. It's fascinating because listening to James and then listening to you, Levy, it's quite clear that the cultural aspect is is working really hard. And certainly it's working hard into the producer organizations that we're here to serve. But also, from my perspective, it changes the way employees see the, the way the organization is delivering and it changes the way you feel about the business you work for. So to your point, James, I think over time, building an ecosystem of businesses that are have got momentum shifting towards the right kind of governance and all the other aspects of being a good business changes the way we all feel as human beings about business's role, which is is the momentum that I think you touched on really. Absolutely. And I think what we were what we've kind of been talking about up till now is is good governance and but good in the absolute sense. So good for good for people and, and good for the planet and good for our you know, our survival. But actually what's fascinating is is kind of hearing from from Levy in in kind of talking about talking very passionately about his role and the way in which he feels as part of the Cafe Direct business is that there is this alignment, I think, when you kind of take a, a time horizon out of the next quarter and what you have to deliver in the next quarter and you move it further out, there is this alignment between good governance in the absolute sense and good governance in the sense of business performance and how are we actually going to be a successful business over the long term. 
And when you kind of think of it in that way, the idea of really kind of engaging deeply with your producers or the communities in which you work or your employees does actually just make sense from a good business point of view um, because you're kind of bringing everyone in to, to share within the, the identity of the business and to collectively feel like they are working towards the business's kind of survival and prosperity over the long term. And so certainly good governance, as I said, and that is good for the planet, good for people, is also good for the business's performance um, by building building resilience, really, and, and focusing on kind of building those strong values-aligned partnerships with all of your stakeholders. Alex, just to get your thoughts. It's really good that you brought up the example of Emmanuel Faber uh, being removed from Danone. He joins a, a long line of CEOs who been removed from companies for trying to do the right thing. I mean, you look at Sasha Romanovich from Grant Thornton, who was who was removed for uh, accused of being a socialist for trying to uh, put a, a wage cap, a twenty to one wage cap, in place. Um, it's kind of within those models of business, as you say, which uh, which don't have the underlying governance and ownership structures. They don't have the underlying governance and ownership structures to ensure that those social missions can can be put ahead of, of, of the profit maximising, whatever the company might say to, its, uh, to the public through its adverts. So I think I'd probably kind of challenge us to to think beyond just trying to change expectations of of investors i know that there's a lot of good work which is done uh, by investors to to try and challenge uh, big companies to do uh, to do more and to to be better on their environmental and social goals but at the end of the day you could have lots of companies which which are which, uh, lots of investors which are, are trying to push companies to do the right thing but it really just takes a few bad apples in the in the financial model we have. Uh, you know, a hedge fund can come in and they don't care about being socially respectful and, and having a good reputation. But with the current structure we have, they can come in and, and buy up a buy up a company. In the case of Danone, let's say you had activist investors calling for the removal of Emmanuel Faber because he wasn't seen to be delivering enough profit ahead of and putting a social mission first. Well, let's say that there was, um, if those shareholders or the board had supported him, then a hedge fund could have come in and just privatized the business and, and, and removed it. That's always the kind of the threat which businesses have. But let's just imagine that Danone had something like a guardian share company, which or a governance structure which supported the social mission. Let's say that there was employee or stakeholder representation within the board of um, of Danone, then you wouldn't have seen that same sort of action. You wouldn't have the primacy of shareholders who have all the power uh, being able to push around the other stakeholders. And so I think, as you say, John, really important to have those combination of those kind of governance and ownership structures in whatever way it might be. And I think, as I said before, Cafe Direct is a is a really good example of how you could have a, a publicly listed company. Danone's PLC, Cafe Direct's a PLC, the differences between the two and why Emmanuel Faber's been fired, but John Steele, you haven't been fired um, for pursuing a social mission. It's because of the um, it's because of the governance structures put in place to protect that. When Nespresso joined B Corp, which I think was last year, we had a lot of people talk to us and say, Well, you know, this is this is you know, what do you think of this and all that kind of stuff. But there was definitely a, a tension in terms of people saying there's a huge difference between Nes- Nespresso and Cafe Direct in many regards. You know, I've, I've certainly had people looking in and being quite subjective about it and quite um, pointed about it. 
And I, I find it, it's quite a, a challenge because we, we need Nespresso to change. Um, and so on the one hand, having Nespresso join B Corps must be a good thing as we get them on the journey to change. But yet many people look at it and go, how can that really be? I've never answered the, the question to me, but I've got somebody from B Corps here today. <laughs> I mean... The, this question, you know, you've, you've rightly kind of pointed out that, that Cafe Direct and, and Nespresso are, are very different businesses. And this question really is about the role of all different types of companies, types of businesses in the movement and the diversity of those companies. So we've talked a little bit about the scale of the challenge. Um, and, and I've outlined a little bit about kind of what we are intending to do with the B Corp movement, you know, the idea of driving cultural change in the UK and, and globally as to what is expected of business and, and also to driving a fundamental regulatory reform of the legal structure here in the UK. And so those are kind of quite big ambitions. And ultimately, we need actors at scale to kind of create the change that we need. These, you know, these questions, I'm sure, as you've articulated there, are very complex and the answers aren't always clear cut, but I, I believe, you know, myself that kind of different types of, of companies as you've as you've outlined can exist within the same system. You know, acknowledging that companies start from different places and they play different roles within the B Corp movement. So, you know, companies with deep purpose at their core can show us what's possible and they can kind of demonstrate innovative business models or innovative governance frameworks, as we talked about today, that can be an inspiration to others and actually show kind of the art of the possible. Whereas larger companies, more complex companies perhaps, can bring their influence to bear by improving their performance and obviously the impacts that that has uh, at scale, but also by inspiring others, other companies of that size to be part of the B Corp movement and actually to move the status quo of what business is for and the role it plays in society. So yes, everyone meets minimum standards and it's about kind of getting across them is not easy, but also there are those that have gone far beyond those, those standards. And we want to progress companies along this spectrum. So you know, ultimately the urgency of the problem means that we do need to get kind of everyone on board so that change can be as swift as, as possible. Personally, I'm not sure it's particularly helpful for a, a consumer who goes into into a supermarket and sees similar labelling on, on both a Cafe Direct and a, a Nespresso. They both see the, the B Corp certification on there. And I think Nespresso probably gets a lot more value out of its association with Cafe Direct than Cafe Direct might out from Nespresso. And it for me, okay, there's a kind of the, the, the rate which... They, Nespresso got gets, I presume, at least eighty points in in their certification, and so yes, they you know they should be getting the the B Corp certification. However, I'd be interested to know like Nespresso are, are planning on that continual improvement as as James describes, but more fundamentally, if we just again just particularly talking about B Corp, I think it does maybe raise the question, especially in this case, of how a subsidiary can be 
certified uh, while its parent company isn't. So of course with B Corp to get certification requires a change to the to the constitution which uh, which puts uh, profit and social purpose on a, on an equal footing. But how can it be the case that uh, Nespresso in this case is is doing that while its parent company uh, Nestle are a you know very much a a profit maximizing business which you know their main mission is to maximize profit for shareholders and i find those tensions between a subsidiary whose parent company has got a completely different purpose doesn't quite add up to me danone for instance of course was it was certifying its different subsidiaries as b corps and james correct me if i'm wrong but it may have got its its as an organization as a whole uh, its b corp certification unilever obviously have uh, different business groups subsidiaries which have b corp certification uh, like i think ben and jerry's is probably one of the examples but unilever as a whole it's still a kind of a profit profit maximizing company you know, I think it's a it's a it's a good point. I think certainly, as I said before, a lot of these, you know, tensions and challenges are, are not easy, and the the answers are, are sometimes kind of complex. But I think what we're trying to do with the B Corp movement is is in in some cases, you know, set the bar at significantly kind of high, such that a number of businesses have to change fundamentally to be part of the B Corp movement, and the majority of businesses. Uh, beyond the ones that are really, really purpose-driven at their core, have to make significant changes to become B Corps. But then also creating a, a system and a movement in which you can kind of inspire others. And that can be a big business joining, improving their impact and inspiring peers at the same at the same size as them and, and kind of building the movement in that way. Or it can be a business within a group structure that are kind of have moved towards that kind of B Corp status and built that, that understanding of the process to then go forward and inspire the rest of the company. So, you know, Alex, you gave the example of Danone and they are working towards their, their certification, but that's been driven by the certification of their subsidiaries over time. But as you can imagine, it's a long, it is a long-term journey for a company of that size. And ultimately it's about kind of being able to to kind of move, move a company of that size to to generate the impact that it has and the and with the level of influence that it has. So, you know, I think there are for, for the coffee industry in particular, that's not you know sustainability is easy to say and, and hard to do. And B Corp doesn't replace the work that needs to be done at industry level. But my my hope is that the the movement can be a kind of forum for cooperation between companies in that industry that's not necessarily based on on competition so you know there's lo- there's lots of coffee people in the in the b corp movement and i you know I, i'd love to see them kind of come together a great example is that there's a, a beauty coalition as well at the moment of b corps who are kind of working on this basis so you know on a personal level i am interested also to see where kind of nespresso goes and, and the developments and the, the performance it dr- drives over the next kind of few years. Alex, give us some other fabulous examples of good governance. Yeah, I think it's, it's um, the obvious ones you can point to, you know, people like Tony's and their work as, as campaigners, as well as producing fair and export chocolate from good supply chains or divine chocolate with their with their ownership. And you know, you've got Cafe Direct, which we've spoken about a lot. 
But I think it's actually sometimes more interesting to to learn from some of the smaller social enterprises, in uh, especially in lower middle income countries. And we look at the World Fair Trade Organization, the WFTO, and those are nearly always cooperatives or or often uh, social enterprises which have been spun out of, of cooperatives. Um, I think there's a really interesting model, which lots of World Fair Trade Organization members are, where there's a cooperative which has uh, formed a, a social enterprise which it wholly owns as its marketing or distribution arm. And I think the important thing about WFTO and, and perhaps maybe uh, creates a bit of differential between Welfare Trade Organization and B Corp is that they do have uh, much more of this emphasis on kind of an export ownership model baked in and, and the governance and the emphasis which is played on that. And that's not to say, of course, that uh, B Corp doesn't put emphasis on the on the ownership and the governance structure. But very much if you're a WFTO member, then you have this social mission not only baked into your constitution, which you might with a B Corp, but very much so within the the governance and uh, within this sort of the governance and the representation and and the ownership. So things like having to have um, stakeholder representation on on boards and and profit distribution, which goes to the people who your social mission is, is trying to support, is is core to WFTO. And so, yeah, I think from the conversation we've had, it's it, it's clearly an essential thing that that drives business behaviour and and the consequences of, of bad governance and 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 businesses which pursue just a profit maximising structure. This gaping level of inequality that we see and and, and environmental destruction by you know fairly small number of corporations that that dominate the economy. I really welcome the the work that's been 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 led by by b corp to to try and transform some of the legal frameworks and i think it's important to remember that the governance is one part of the economic system that we have that drives this kind of behavior and, and this inequality and so if we can do things like transforming the uh, the behavior of directors and ensuring that they are putting social mission alongside a financial one that would be a really good first part particularly in in the uk but we also need to think you know more deeply about how companies are traded and owned and and how you know, things like the stock market operate so that it all goes hand in hand thanks to our guests today for a great conversation and thanks to you our listeners for joining us And please make sure you rate and subscribe on the listening platform you use, as it really does help us to spread the word about the podcast.